Where's the drunk going? Hello, everyone. This is JPL, and today I'm joined with Matthew here, and we are podcast name in brackets. Um, so yeah, today we'll be talking about a movie which came out recently for us, and that is The Batman. Um, yeah. So, Matthew, what did you yeah, think of The um, Batman? Well, yeah, to to kind of give the overview. So, The Batman is the is this now the like ninth or tenth bat like theatrically released live, live action, action you mean? Batman okay. movie? Um. Yeah, directed by, by Matt Reeves, the first live-action Batman movie in a decade. A solo uh, Batman, so, that is. Yeah. If we don't count Batman versus Superman, which... I would, but yeah, like, just a solo Batman story. It's been a long time since we had live-action. Yeah, directed by Matt Reeves. Um, well starring... known for doing the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yep. And Cloverfield, um, starring Robert Pattinson, of all people. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz um, as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, and an unrecognizable Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Yes. Like, you look at pictures side by side. Usually, usually you look at the picture side by side with the, like the makeup and then the person, and you can be like, oh yeah, I can kind of see the person's face in there. No, you can't with the penguin. It's just like completely unrecognizable. Yeah, very good job. I'm s- still amazed what you can do with makeup. Yeah, with just like a simple makeup job like that, and it looked and it looked really good in theaters. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed this movie. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping to enjoy it, like, leading up to it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Another Batman movie. Cool, cool. But getting into it, it's like, oh, yeah, really neat. Good. I, I think that this is one of the more comic-accurate stories for Batman that we've had in a long time. Where just everything feels like a Batman story. You have it focused on a mystery. You have a lot of Batman's internal monologue. Um, and it's focused on Batman. Most of this film is Batman in costume. Which is really surprising. Yeah, really there, nice. there's, there's like a handful of scenes where he's not wearing the costume. Which is odd. I think in the Dark Knight movies he spends... Especially the Dark Knight Rises, he spends less time in costume than as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So, di- very different approach. Um, but yeah, from from the moment you hear the narration, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm reading like a really good Scott Snyder Batman comic. This doesn't feel... I mean, it's similar to the Christopher Nolan movies in some ways, and it maybe has a few stylistic things from the Tim Burton ones particularly in like the architecture um but but yeah it's much more in line with the comics and maybe some of the animated films than anything we've seen before yeah so i'm curious before we dive in um robert pattinson as the batman what was your reaction when you first heard he was gonna be batman i was like very skeptical. I was like, what? This guy? Mr. Sparkly Face from Twilight? 
Um, but like, sure. Then I have to remember, like, all right, the casting process. You gotta trust the process. They chose this guy for a reason. Um, and so it's like, okay, I'll give him a chance. Everyone thought Affleck was gonna be the worst, and like a lot of people really love him. I love him. Um, so yeah, uh, I did. I think he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, it, he he certainly has an interesting career. Started out as this very promising young British actor, then got cast in Twilight, and that kind of changed public perception of him. Um, he slowly of, built himself back yeah. up over the years. Well, yeah, and since Twilight, like this is his only big blockbuster since Twilight, I believe. Um, since Twilight, he's been working on smaller indie films with sort of more niche directors. Um, right. I, th- I think his big break recently was when he was in The Good Time, the 2017 Safdie Brothers movie. Um, I'm reading interviews with Matt Reeves. He actually wrote the script with Pattinson in mind, having seen The Good Time or Good Time recently. So yeah, he was also in Tenet for. Yep. Which oh, yeah. Is like yeah. the main one that I've seen of him recently, which made me think, oh, yeah, he could probably do something like this. Um, so, for this film, I think Batman is his best performance. His Bruce Wayne, it's because of the way his character's portrayed that I'm not so iffy about. But I think the way he portrayed it, sure, well done. Not yeah. the most accurate that I've seen, but well done. Yeah, it's interesting because there isn't much distinction between his Batman and Bruce Wayne, no. and I think that I think that's a story choice more than a performance choice. Yeah, um, I can't blame him for that. It, it is a very odd direction to take this character, who's kind of been known as a playboy philanthropist, and then turn him into a recluse. Um, but, yeah, because the Playboy was like very important to his persona of like trying to have a dual life, yeah, um, and whatnot. Anyway, this uh, this movie is heavily inspired by films like uh, stories like Year One, and of course uh, the Long Halloween. More specifically, The Long Halloween, which I'm glad that we had that animated two-part come out this last year. Because, like, there was a lot in this film that's taken straight out of that story. Which yeah, I was surprised about. Yeah, it was and interesting. I've, it was really cool. Yeah, I've, I've been reading The Long Halloween comic. Um, and I watched the first of the two animated films based on it. And I wonder how much... Um, sort of how much connection the animated part of DC and the live action part have, because I wouldn't be surprised if DC kind of fast tracked the long Halloween movie to get people ready for this new one. I doubt it because DC's not that clever. Yeah, but but it is kind of cool that the timing line. It up. is really cool. I I really appreciated it. The timing was nice for me. Yeah. Also, also hush. Is another yeah. one, but not as much. Yeah, and not I think I think there's some elements of some of the Scott Snyder run. Um, 
I don't I don't know anything specific. I didn't find any connections and I haven't read many Batman comics. Um but especially tonally and then starting out with narration, that's something Scott Snyder does in a lot of his Batman stories. So yeah, it's it's drawing from a lot of things. And then it's also drawing from film history. There's a lot of um similarities to the iconic 90s serial killer movies specifically david fincher's seven okay um yeah so so it's interesting uh so it's also a nice thing to say that this isn't a superhero movie um but more of like a detective noir psychological thriller whatnot with superhero elements in it but that's not the main focus as in more recent years. So it was really nice and refreshing to have a different take, um, which really worked well for this story. Yeah. And I think unlike the Christopher Nolan movies, like I, I could see this Batman interacting with like, say poison Ivy, but at the same time, this is a more, even more grounded than Nolan's take. Um, and even less of a more more of a detective story than a superhero story. Right. Nolan's trilogy was more of like a more realistic superhero story, where this was more realistic detective story. Yeah. Uh, serial killer. Um, which was very. It's really nice to have two different things and not the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it's it's very grounded. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like I said, I could imagine, you know, the Batman to bringing in like a Poison Ivy or a Mr. Freeze. Just because the world, even though it's grounded, it's also like the style is so heightened that I think you could have like the occasional element Without completely breaking yeah. it. Whereas the right. Nolan films, if he had tried to put Poison Ivy in that, it would make no sense. No. Those are like those are very tied. Like the style is, it's filmed very grounded and realistically. Um, whereas this one has more of a cinematic flair to it. Right. Uh, with that, where do you think we should start off here? Um, well, we can start off at the beginning, so just a summary in case anyone is coming into this podcast um, blind, although I would assume most people who are listening know it. Um, This takes place, this is Batman, he's been fighting crime for a year, um, or yeah, two years, this is year two, um, and on Halloween night, a murder happens. And a mysterious figure who is the Riddler, um, but we don't know who exactly he is or what exactly he's doing. Um, And he has addressed a letter to the Batman. And so Batman now must try and solve who is the Riddler and what is the Riddler's plan. And in the process, he's kind of unraveling this dark web of secrets that encompasses the entirety of Gotham and its police force and politicians. So, so yeah, it's, um, 
it, it's very much drawing from previous Batman stories, but it is putting it all together in a way that feels new and feels fresh. Yeah. Along the way, he's teaming up with Gordon and Catwoman uh, to figure out more things. The story goes around these different paths. We have personal, emotional, connected stories with multiple characters. Um, And then it leads up to the ultimate final stage where the plan is revealed, things happen, and we have the Batman. Yeah. It is interesting. So this is a three-hour-long movie. Yeah. But I feel like there are multiple different plot threads that get followed throughout it. And you could almost, like, have a movie where it's just Batman and Selina Kyle and nothing with the Riddler. Um, and that could almost stand on its own as its own movie. Or you could have the Batman and Riddler movie with no Catwoman in it. Um, but the, the plot lines are constantly weaving in and out. So it ends up making sense that they're all tied together. But there is a solid, like, 30 minutes where the Riddler doesn't play much of a role in the movie. Yeah. Or maybe maybe even more than 30 minutes. And we're kind of like, oh, what's he doing? We don't know. Yep. Catwoman. Um, should we start talking about characters? Um, yeah. Well, actually, I was going to suggest we start with the opening um oh i love this opening yeah it's a really good opening it's it yeah it's so it starts with um this scene and it's kind of been spoiled by the trailers but it still it works very well in the movie um where it's just well okay for very first scene sorry there's like multiple scenes at the beginning that are great the very first scene it starts out and it's like this sniper scope looking at this house. And it looks kind of like you would imagine Wayne Manor to look. Um, and you see a kid who's like dressed up in a Halloween costume and you go, oh, is that Bruce Wayne? And then you see a mom and a dad and you're like, oh, is that is this supposed to be the Waynes? But no, it isn't. It's um, but This is one of the rare Batman movies that doesn't include the death of the Waynes as like a scene. Um, but it, it, it makes you think it's going there. And then, no, this is actually um, Gotham's mayor who is about to get murdered. Um, and it's the Riddler looking at them through this sniper rifle. Um, he then enters the house and murders the mayor in a, a very brutal scene, kind of the warning for, any parents who took their small kids to the theater to maybe this isn't the movie for them. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we move into the other opening scene, which I really like, which is our introduction to Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Halloween. There's a lot of crime going on, but as he points out in his narration, his, the bat signal has now become the sign of fear for criminals. So we get three separate um, incidents being intercut. There's a robbery of a convenience store. There's some people spray spray painting a bank. And there's some people on a train who are going to mug a man. And in each of those scenes, the bat signal goes on. 
The criminal sees it, and then they look in the shadows to try and see if Batman's come in for them. And obviously, these scenes are happening at the same time, so Batman can't be at all three. But it's it's just so cool to see, like, the... It feels ripped from the comics. Yeah. You see the psychological uh, fear that Batman wants to have the criminals to have. Like, yeah. fear. Fear is my weapon. Like, and, and I am it's... in every shadow. You don't know when I'm coming out. Yeah. And it's just like there there are enough shots and what the three hour runtime lets them do is you can have a, you know, three second shot of just the shadows. And while you're looking at it, you're wondering, is the Batman going to step out? And then he doesn't and it cuts away. But the criminal, you know, has run away because they aren't going to risk it. And, and it builds up the tension up until you get the final reveal of him stepping out in his costume and you hear and, the and footsteps. It's, yeah, it's not even just that. The footsteps, you hear the first. And it's like, Batman can be sneaky, but yeah. he's doing the footsteps to freak him out, which is really yeah. cool. Like, he and comes feet, out really slowly. Build. Yeah. So. And, and they did something similar in The Dark Knight, but it's not... It's the, This one just... Not to this Absolutely degree. Nails. Yeah, th- this one nails the execution and makes it very obvious. Like, this Batman is... Not, I mean, he is a person, but he's also a mythological figure within Gotham mm-hmm. that has taken on this role of, like, every shadow could be him, so every criminal is scared. And this is where we first get the line. um, Never in this movie does Batman say, I'm Batman. He calls himself Vengeance. Um, Which which becomes a very important theme throughout the movie. And that's kind of his... The development of the film is entirely based around this line. That's in the first introduction to him. I'm pretty sure he does call himself... Batman at some point. Well, yeah. In this in, like in the conversation yeah. with Alfred he talks yeah. about it, but like yeah, he, he never he like never... calls himself the Batman to yeah. people. He he does when someone asks who he is, he says, I'm vengeance, not I'm, vengeance. I'm Batman. <laughs> Which is because everyone knows the iconic I'm Batman line. I'm Batman. So so to to switch it up and like Okay, th- this is a different Batman than we've seen before, and maybe one who... And, uh, like, going back to the classic Batman, like, I am Vengeance, I am the Knight, I am the Batman. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. So it, it, it's really cool to see that. Um, also, just Catwoman just calls him Vengeance all the time. Yeah, but, both Catwoman fun. and the Penguin call him... Um, the Penguin specifically calls him Mr. Vengeance mm. in one scene. Um, that's how he introduces Batman to Catwoman. Um, and then Catwoman kind of does it in a playful way. Mm. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it's... I mean, what people are called in superhero movies is always kind of an interesting thing. Um, or like, do you call them by their civilian name or by their superhero name? And different movies will do different things. I think specifically um, James Gunn likes to refer to people by their civilian names. Whereas I think a lot of the, actually no, Marvel in general refers to people, you know, it's Tony Stark, 
people don't say, hey, Iron Man. It's like, hey, Tony. Yeah. So so then to have this movie where it's, he's vengeance, he's not Batman. Most of the people call him vengeance. Obviously, not everyone does, but. I'm sure, like, later in other films coming up, they will refer to him as Batman. Yeah. As Especially by the end, he's just become a much more iconic character for the world of Gotham. Yeah. And and it does suggest, I, I think that's where the, the, this is one of the rare Batman live action movies where Batman has significant character development throughout it. Um, so, so it's interesting that, because often he is sort of this cipher of a character and then the story of the movie kind of happens around him. Whereas in the, in this movie, it's very much about him and what he does. Mm. And, and it's, as, as you said before, it's about Batman. It's not even about Bruce Wayne. So yeah, then um, after this whole sequence with the criminals, um, Batman is summoned to the scene of the mayor's murder um where for, first off seeing batman in costume with all of these police officers he just looks so out of place yeah and they, they even point this out in the movie of like is he supposed to be here one of the one of the officers says um but you know he he's doing actual detective work he's like looking around the crime scene, um, interacting with things like trying yeah. to... I really loved that. I loved yeah. all the just the subtle details that they gave him here of him looking at everything. He was just so observant. He's not talking about everything he sees. He's just... The audience has to make these observations with him, yeah. which I thought was really cool. I really loved his um, contact lessons, let, lens that lets him record everything he sees, which is a really neat idea that yeah. we see in some things. And it's one of the few instances of actual tech that Batman has that, you know, he doesn't have his batarangs. He doesn't even, he has, um, he doesn't have a glide suit. Like he has a base jumping suit that he uses in one scene. Um, but the, this is a very like, grounded batman you know his technology is not it's it, this isn't you know ben affleck's batman had a bat plane and had like anything you could want and even um christian bale had a bunch of gadgets and gizmos and but yeah the, this batman it's like he has the contact lenses he has the base jumping suit which he uses once he has a cool Batmobile, though not a like tank, right? Or anything. He's it's got like a, a knife in his car. chest. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's very like simple things. Like you you could imagine someone actually having these things in real life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's interesting, and it, it's such a neat little. The, the contact lenses become an important mechanic for the plot, so. But yeah, he, um, 
he investigates the crime scene, then he is commissioner who is not commissioner Gordon, um, which is an immediate sign that the commissioner is about to die because we need to eventually get commissioner Gordon. <laughs> um, but the commissioner comes in and says, Batman, you can't be in here. So Batman leaves. But as as he's walking out, we get um, a look at the mayor's son. And there's there's a moment of a connection between Batman and him, or maybe more accurately, it's a one-sided connection where Batman goes, hey, this is a kid just like me. And the kid's like, why is Batman here? <laughs> but yeah. It, it's, it's an important thing, and it's something that I really like where we keep seeing this kid throughout the movie. And so their connection is important, but it's never spoken about. No. And the the audience obviously knows like okay yeah they have the this kid is in a similar situation to bruce wayne but it, it's it's an interesting way to tell the bruce wayne story without having to show the murder and the crime alley and growing up you kind of you kind of get it through a different character yeah um, where should we go to next? Well, yeah, ne- next, um, he leaves the crime scene and goes home to the Batcave, which is now a rundown train station underneath Wayne Tower, which is cool. Um, it doesn't get much time on screen. No. But it- it's an interesting idea, and it makes... I mean, this is a Batman more directly tied to Gotham, the city. Um, He doesn't live in Wayne Manor. He lives in this really weirdly designed apartment in Wayne Tower. Yeah. um, With the most gothic architecture you could ever have. Most as in quantity. (laughs) It is every window and every wall. It, It looks like he's shacking up in like the steeple of Notre Dame or something. <laughs> and yeah, th- this is where we get, we meet Alfred, um, Andy Serkis. Who's not here a whole lot in this film. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of on the periphery of a lot of what happens. Um, definitely not as involved as Michael Caine was. Mm-hmm. Um, there, or even kind of... like um, Jeremy Irons. Yeah, this one sits back a lot like the original ones, um, with even less story, I suppose. Yeah. So I I I can't wait to see more in future movies with his actor because yeah. I really like this actor. Yeah, Andy Serkis is great. Um, and he he's... I think he's doing a good job in the role. Again, he doesn't have many scenes to show off his acting skills. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of those casting announcements where... Because he's not necessarily who you would first think of for Alfred. Um, but, but he makes sense with the interpretation they're going for, which is... And um, also with Matt Reeves, it makes sense to have yeah. this actor, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you you do want to. Matt Reeves, um, of course, worked with him on the Planet of the Apes movies, and he he's an actor who very rarely gets to be 
just a normal human guy in these big blockbusters. Yeah. He's usually, you know, he's been in a lot of huge franchises, but always under tons of CGI. So, yeah, it's cool to see him get a role where he can be himself and doesn't have to get a bunch of dots painted on his face. Be in a mocap suit and crawl around. Yep. On all fours like a monkey. Yep. So Which, he's great at the mocap stuff, but but it's fun is. to see. It's fun to see the real him. Yeah. And and even his like visually he looks he I, I think they're going with the um Batman year two run where Alfred was sort of ex military, um mm-hmm. More, more of a sort of former. I guess he, Michael Caine, was also ex-military, but he was a bit more posh and a bit. The, the, this Alfred feels a bit more combat ready. Yeah. Which I, I, w- I would be interested to see if that factors into the next movie. But, yeah. yeah, like Secret Agent Alfred is always fun to see. Yeah, I believe you can see some of that in the, the Pennyworth show. Yeah, which I've not seen, but like, you know, Alfred. Yeah, it's Alfred. Sure. Yeah, he has to be in the Batman movies. One one of those characters that's just kind of always there. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say he's the perfect Alfred, but he does a good job. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do, we don't really have that many scenes with him. He he doesn't come across as like a posh butler. It's been really a long time since I've seen like an Alfred that Michael Michael Caine kind of feels like a Yeah, but I also okay, I like th- there's also like yeah. a look with Alfred. Yeah. That none of the live action ones have really achieved. Yeah. But but I could see like Michael Caine, I could see answering the door. Correct. Whereas Andy Serkis, I guess he could answer the door. It he just looked to be like more so running, yeah, the business than he was actually a butler. But yeah, and, and this Batman actually, we he has a maid who has several lines of dialogue, um, and is not just an extra. Although she doesn't have a big role in the movie. But it seems like she's doing a lot of the butler type work. Yeah, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, again, she she doesn't factor in much. This is a three hour movie, and she has two lines of dialogue. Three. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So at some point, we go and we meet the penguin. Yep, he's in the iceberg lounge. <laughs> yes, of course. I, I am a little bit disappointed that this iceberg lounge is like a an area under the docks and not like a big luxurious iceberg floating out in the harbor. But it, it's it's in line with what the film is like the style of the film. Yeah, maybe one day we'll get his fancy lounge. Ah. Um, but yeah, for now with this world, it's what we get with Colin Farrell, and like we said before, completely unrecognizable with his makeup. Yep, also accent. Um, he's an Irish actor, but you can't tell. 
unless you you can kind of hear a bit of his voice peeking through but i mean it, it's such a such an odd performance and it works so well He he's like the one bit of comedic relief that the movie has every once in a while mm-hmm. there, there's a great scene where his um hands and feet are handcuffed together and he kind of waddles like a penguin as he's trying to walk um but yeah he, he doesn't carry around an umbrella and he doesn't have an army of penguins set to explode not yet not yet at least <laughs> maybe one day he doesn't run for mayor or bite off people's noses or eat raw fish he, he's a more he, he's kind of like a mid-level criminal um he he kind of runs the iceberg lounge um he deals drugs to the people there um but he is still underneath falcone who is kind of the big crime head honcho in this one um played by oh i don't have the oh falcone uh john tuturo john tuturo who who feels like very good casting for that part. Yeah, that was surprising casting. Like, he, yeah. he's a perfect Falcone. Like, he looked the role. He just did a good job. Yeah. The only thing I know him from is from Transformers. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's kind of... He's been around the block a few times. He's in a few of the Coen Brothers movies. Um, yeah, an interesting character um he's kind of one of the less theatrical batman villains yeah he's definitely one of the more ones you see in comics yeah and uh tv shows so uh good job like his story with selena straight from the comics yeah which i was really surprised that they took and did so really cool yeah it's an interesting and a lot of his plot line feels separate from the whole riddler and serial killer side mm-hmm. but but it's interesting um yeah the the first half of this movie or maybe the first hour of the movie feels very much almost like a saw movie with some of the riddler traps um and then for the middle hour it's more of like a mob movie where batman is kind of following these threads of like where's the corruption in gotham and then the last little bit goes back to more of the riddler stuff which it's it's interesting i mean it's a three-hour movie as we've said before but i think it justifies all three hours Yeah. yeah but this is where we meet um selena kyle catwoman uh, another great casting. Yes. Perfect for the role. Um, yeah. Really perfect for the role. Like yeah, straight, straight out of the comics, yeah. perfect for the role. Yeah. Like Anne Hathaway, great actress. Um, but I, I think she feels a little too middle class for the role. Whereas Zoe Kravitz is like, I mean, she she's definitely like, yeah, I, I don't know how to put it. She she feels more at home in like the where Anne Hathaway she's she's got a very particular persona, like the Princess Diaries type thing. Mm-hmm. 
which I, I think she's good in the role, but I don't buy that she lives in a dingy apartment at any point to that. I don't look at her and think she's Catwoman. Yeah. Whereas here, I think she's Catwoman. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz feels like the comic character. Mm-hmm. Feels more in line with even like the Michelle Pfeiffer interpretation of the character. That's kind of... Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, although that's not perfect, but... No, yeah. It was a choice. Yep. I, I, I think... I would put Michelle Pfeiffer and Zoe Kravitz. They're doing different things, but they're on a very similar level in terms of how good they are in this role. Yeah. Which, again, not not to say that Anne Hathaway is terrible in the role. I just think she's kind of miscast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the the casting director for this movie deserves some kind of recognition because they found the best cast they could for this movie. Yeah, really good casting. Yeah, I, I Je- was also Jeffrey pretty- Wright as Gordon. Oh yeah, and even even though like it's not your classic Gordon, that's the only actor I feel is appropriate for this yeah. version. So he he's and Jeffrey Wright is kind of known for more soft spoken roles, but then you have scenes where he kind of like goes all out and gets angry and does stuff and he plays all of it so well mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's an interesting version of Gordon and then also an interesting performance if you look at the rest of Jeffrey Wright's career yeah I mean I wouldn't say I saw anything new in his, in his performance here There's a lot. it's a lot like his other characters that he does but it's just a performance that just works well yeah, in a lot of different characters. So, yeah, the, the him and Batman together, they they just work so well. Pattinson yeah. and Wright are like perfect together, and then Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz are great together. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have a very sort of complicated chemistry throughout the movie, as as it is in the comics. There's like this: Are they gonna get together? Are they are they like? Is there a spark between them? Should there be a spark between them? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's... And I don't know. I never got that from The Dark Knight Rises. Whereas in this movie, it feels... It feels closer. Yeah. I don't think they've got there perfectly, but it's there. Yeah. I, I think a second film could explore that a bit more in depth and get get some interesting drama from that yeah and while we're also at the club i want to briefly mention the um the twins i don't know if they have a specific name in the film um the the throughout the movie there are like extras who kind of recur in different scenes so you kind of get to see their characters and these two actors um they are twins in real life um max carver and charlie carver and they're very physically imposing but their entire role in the movie is to be beat up by batman so in the in this first scene is the first time they get beat up by batman um and then later in the movie they show up at a drug bust and get beaten up by batman again and then at the end of the movie they once again get beaten up by batman and each time 
he takes less time to beat them up. So it's it, it's an interesting way of showing like his development. Yeah, and the twins, you know, they are characters in the comics, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's different interpretations of those characters, but they do exist yeah. in some form or another. So yeah, th- this is the um uh, after the club, Batman follows Selina Kyle home and spies on her. Um <laughs> She she's living with a um someone who works at the club, um, who's trying to get out and is kind of connected somehow to this whole Riddler thing, but we don't know exactly how. Um so and her passport's been stolen, so Selena Kyle says, Okay, I, I will go and get your passport back. Um, and Robert or Batman watches as she changes into her Catman outfit or Catman Catwoman outfit. Um, it, it, it's kind of a weird scene, but it, it it tells you that this Batman is not the Batman we've seen in other movies. Yeah, he's a bit of a weirdo. And you, if you don't know anything about Catwoman, this is just like a weird. Like, oh, what's this? This took yeah. a turn. Yeah. But but it is such an interesting, like, I believe it's one unbroken take between when she walks into the apartment, then when she gets into her Catwoman costume and then jumps off out of the fire. I do seat. think they do cut to see his reaction, but yeah. Okay, yeah. It, it feels like an unbroken take. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, he follows her to the mayor's house where she opens a safe and finds the passport. Um, And they have a brief interaction. This is kind of their first time interacting as Batman and Catwoman. Um, They had talked at the club briefly, but... And this is kind of the beginning of their alliance. Um, They go back to Selena Kyle's apartment and it's been completely destroyed. Um... And then they split up for the night, but at the same time, unbeknownst to either of them, the commissioner is being murdered by the Riddler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, it, it's, again, we, we knew he wasn't long for this world. Commissioners who aren't Commissioner Gordon don't tend to stick around. Yeah. But but it's, it's a very, I, I think it might be the most disturbing part of the film and you don't see any of the violence but the the riddler has sort of put this weird contraption on the commissioner where it goes over his head and then there are two rats in a cage that are going to be released to eat off the commissioner's face and it's i mean it's something you would expect to see at a saw movie not the batman mm-hmm yeah, and you don't you don't see the violence, but the implication yeah. is there. Yeah, it, th- this is definitely pushing the edge of the PG thirteen rating. It is. It is. Um, let's push this along. Yeah. So, commissioner gets murdered, and Batman kind of investigates that. Um. Then he goes back to the club. Um. Turns out there's a club beneath the club. 
um, which Selena Kyle has access to. So he gives her his contact lens so she can stream video from inside. And the facial recognition software on his contact lens picks up a whole bunch of high-profile Gotham people in this club, including the DA, who becomes an important character for the next sort of 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out there's also a rat who helped um, take down Maroni, who's a rival crime lord in Gotham, to Falcone. Um, and yeah, the, then we get to the funeral scene, which is really the first Bruce Wayne scene we've had in the movie. Yeah. Um, he makes a rare public appearance at the funeral of the mayor. He's not there to pay his respects. He's there to see if the Riddler shows up, which he does, um, though we don't see him, just his silhouette. A really cool shot, yeah. yeah. And th- th- this is kind of the point of the movie where they're, they're pretty on the nose about the various... Um, the The music has sort of major themes, character themes throughout... And this is the funeral scene is kind of where it becomes clear that, okay, the Riddler's theme is this Ave Maria. That's what the choir at the funeral is singing, kind of foretelling what is about to happen, um, which is a car comes through, crashes through the building and outsteps the DA, and he has a bomb attached to his neck and is receiving a call on his phone addressed to Batman. So Bruce Wayne goes home, comes back later as Batman. And this is, um, this kind of scene is kind of a staple of sort of the mystery serial killer type movie where you have, you have to solve the riddles to get the bomb disarmed. Um, I think there's an episode of Sherlock where they do this. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again a pretty disturbing scene. Um, we also find out that Batman's face is indestructible. Yep, yep. Um, the bomb does go off, and point blank on Batman. Yep, and he, I, and his face is totally unscarred. He gets knocked out, and yep, no no scars, no marks, nothing at all. I believe the armor, but his face. Yeah. That's where the suspension kind of, <laughs> but we'll let yeah. it slide. Yeah, there, sure. there are like there are occasional moments where it's like, okay, that doesn't seem very realistic, but but it is like, if you can overlook it, it's it makes for a, yeah. Um, I, I don't think because he wakes yeah. up in the police department, yep. surrounded by cops. Yep, which. Is not good for him. Um, cops in this movie don't really like him, but it, it's it leads to um, he he must now escape. But he and Gordon have a short conversation before then, um, and the the escape from the police building is really cool. Um, one one of the few action scenes in this movie. There aren't a ton of action scenes. There, there are action moments, but th- this is one of the few specific set pieces. Yeah. Um, 
where you get Batman uses his grappling hook and goes up a flight of stairs as the cops are shooting at him. And this is where he, the only time he uses his glide ability, which is revealed to be a base jumping suit and a parachute, which he successfully escapes, but flops the landing. Yeah. And we find out that not only is his face indestructible, but the rest of him is also indestructible because he walks away with nothing but a limp. He's also a very skinny guy underneath that suit. Yeah. Suspension of disbelief. We can let it slide. I I think these are the things that people are going to point out as as the movie kind of makes the rounds. But but it it doesn't really ruin the rest. You know, this is a three-hour movie. A few silly things here or there don't really take you out of it too much. No. And, And it's interesting that this is the rare Batman who makes mistakes, who gets injured. Like, he makes even bigger mistakes later on where he completely misinterprets clues. and That should have been goes, solved 30 the, minutes earlier in the yeah, film. Yeah. Bat yeah, there, on wings. <laughs> yep. There, there, there's a few... But but it does make sense within the film why he makes those mistakes, I think. Right, but like surely would have crossed his mind. Yeah. yeah. Rat with wings. Oh a bat. Yep. Um, like it, it's it's so commonly used in yeah. other Batman medium that it for yeah. how it took him so long to figure it out. In fact he doesn't. Penguin figures it out yeah. for him. Yeah. And it's like, oh thank you, Penguin. It took you long <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's and that that's the clue that Batman spends the most time chasing. Um mm-hmm. partially because he chases it the wrong direction. Um we get the really cool scene of the car chase with the penguin. Um not my favorite car chase, but sure. Okay. Now I saw it in IMAX, so I may be biased towards it because the sound system in the IMAX theater like anytime Batman revved his engine, it shook the entire yeah. And that's theater. really cool. Like the Batman int- the mobile introduction is really cool. Um the chase was a little bit hard to follow, which is why I don't love it the most. It's a but... it's a very like it's filmed very reserved. Um, yeah, which I feel like it could have give it a little bit more style with this one. But other than uh, that, it, it's fine. I, I think it works and it builds towards the final shot of this chase sequence, which is the upside down Batman walking away from an explosion. Yeah, slowly. yeah. Um, which is just, it's such a cool scene. And that was for me... Um, when I saw it the second time, I was kind of paying attention to audience reaction. And that was, I think, the moment where people switched from, like, enjoying the movie to loving the movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, that, that's the moment where you go, okay, Robert Pattinson, like, is Batman in this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he's just walking away. You're like, okay, yeah, he, he's or walking towards the camera. Um. It's a great shot. I can understand why they used it in all of the trailers. Yeah, of course. It's a great shot. Why wouldn't you use it? Yeah. And I haven't 
tried to see it what what it would look like right side up but the upside down perspective adds so much to it yeah really cool yeah um the movie goes on uh we have some slight reveals turns out it turns out that the riddler knows who batman is yes which i knew this going into the movie however i never really felt that we understood how he knew yes which becomes relevant later on um but yeah there's this implication that okay maybe riddler knows who batman is um but then the riddler is also it's revealed he is through these murders he is trying to unveil a web of corruption in gotham that implicates everyone he's murdered so far so the mayor the commissioner and the da um as well as the wayne family um and obviously falcone is like the crime element of this he's also a, a streamer yeah yeah he he is a live streamer he streams on twitch we don't know what games he plays when he streams but <laughs> yeah it, it is confirmed. <laughs> that's really the only thing that i feel could really date this movie but the way it is done is so creepy yeah and it's like oh my gosh this is really good this yeah. would make for an interesting villain and they did it. Yeah. it it's and it's something that wasn't revealed in any of the trailers which is no um and it makes it might date the movie but it also at the same time makes it feel relevant as we're watching it now yeah also it's also like for some comedic value where he's like thank you guys so much for like being part of this community you know (laughs) he does all that typical stuff and it's like (laughs) funny yeah also a little bit sad but funny (laughs) yeah he he Stops short of saying, please like and subscribe. Yeah. Remember to turn on the notification bell. I'd yeah. like to thank our sponsors. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, and it's spot on for the interpretation of the character of this. Like, yeah, it is so kind spot of a, on. he's a strange loner who's kind of looking for a purpose in life. And so he like finds this online community that then leads him to become a serial killer for he yeah yeah there there are like and i was listening to an interview with the with um matt reeves and this this was written before a lot of the like QAnon conspiracy theory um stuff but but it is it feels very relevant to that mm. um because I, I believe they even finished filming before a lot of that was prevalent. Um, uh, obviously, they filmed this very, very troubled filming. Um, not, not in terms of like anything that happened on set, but it, it was filmed. It was interrupted for COVID, and yeah. at one point, Robert Pattinson got COVID, so they had to stop filming again. And then very he wouldn't often. work out for the film. Yep, which I think it works fine. He he yeah, he looks good as Batman. There's there's a scene where he um where he does a shirtless conspiracy board or 
he makes the conspiracy board shirtless and yeah he he looks good in it <laughs> underrated scene in the movie in my opinion right 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 um so we get through some more things batman finds out who the target is yep and then through a series of events we finally capture riddler yes um so so it is um we find out that the rat that had sort of orchestrated this giant drug bust in the past um, was Falcone, and he had been working alongside all of these top people in Gotham to ensure that he would stay afloat while sinking this other drug lord. Um, and Batman arrests him, they bring him out, and he gets shot. Falcone gets shot. Um, and they are able to trace the shot back to the Riddler's apartment, which is right across the street from the Iceberg Lounge, um, which explains how the Riddler kind of knew who was involved in this um, corruption scandal. And yeah, they they track him to a diner where he has ordered a slice of pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Or guy doesn't even get to finish it. Yeah, too busy drawing that riddler riddle yep. question mark yep. on his little coffee. Um, yeah. He gets arrested. We have a scene with him and Batman in prison. Yeah, in this the is, asylum. This is like so when they announce Paul Dado for the Riddler, like for this interpretation of the Riddler, he's kind of an obvious choice of like the the creepy serial killer. He's kind of played roles like that in the past. He, he looks like but, he can fit the role, yeah, of course. Yeah. But then you watch the scene, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's why you get Paul Dado to do this, because mm-hmm. he, he could do creepy and psychotic like no one else. Um, and in an unsettling way. Because usually, like, Heath Ledger, when he did creepy and unsettling, it was kind of fun. Like, there there was an element of, like, fun to it whereas the yeah because he's the joker of course yeah yeah this one was more but this is straight up like serial killer he he he's just so unsettling and yeah the the scene is you want to like leave the theater for a second (laughs) and like take a shower but a good performance yeah um and this is where we get maybe one of the biggest reveals of the movie. No, 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 not yet. That comes later. Oh, oh. No, this is the scene between Batman and Riddler. Okay. Um, Where it is revealed that the Riddler doesn't actually know who Batman is. Um, He very creepily says Bruce Wayne's name a few times. And then informs batman like too bad we didn't get him um which this entire time robert Pattinson or like bruce wade is like looking around like there's a security camera there are you gonna reveal my identity oh is that what happened yeah Yeah. so i must have misunderstood the context because i thought that he was like confirming that he knew no yeah that that's it it is a little ambiguous because he says bruce wayne very creepily okay um but but what he's revealing is that 
he doesn't know who Batman is. Like, because leading up to this, all of the hints have been pointing to, okay, Riddler kind of knows Batman is Bruce Wayne. But then when we get to the scene, it's revealed that, no, he actually doesn't. And he actually thinks he's working with Batman. He thinks he and Batman are on the same team in revealing this web of corruption and murdering all of these people in Gotham. Um, and Batman kind of, at, at the beginning of the scene, he's, you know, terrified that like, oh no, is the Riddler going to reveal who I am? But as soon as he realizes that Riddler doesn't actually know he is Bruce Wayne, um, he's just like, no, we we are nothing alike. Um, you're crazy. We were never working together. And that kind of shatters the Riddler's point of view in the story. And we also find out that Batman actually didn't solve Riddler's full yeah. mission. Yeah. There was something missing. Yep. And so Batman returns to the apartment, uh, the Riddler's apartment. And this was the scene where I realized Batman doesn't have many lines in this movie. Because this entire scene, he has no lines of dialogue and he's interacting with a cop completely wordlessly um usually batman has more lines than this and like maybe even some quippy one-liners but this interpretation of batman is almost always silent or says very few words Mm -hmm. Um, as he should yeah it's a it's a really interesting scene um between him and this cop where he is able to get a bunch of information out of this. And cop it's also that... like a arc for this cop. Cause this yeah. cop, cop was like against him in the beginning and slowly here helps Batman discover the secret. Yeah. Which is that the Riddler has painted a map of Gotham underneath his carpet and with blinking lights, which represent the, vans that are set to blow up and destroy Gotham's seawall flooding the city it seemed like a kind of a strange thing where it's like was everything pointing to that i don't know yeah that's strange but there's also like something leads to something's like okay we're gonna kill the mayor the new mayor um which you know has been teased the entire film yeah because the face of this new mayor is throughout the entire film and posters and interviews on screen says like obviously something's gonna go on. At one point I thought maybe she hired the Riddler. I don't know. Yeah. So uh <laughs> and, and it is like um yeah she she's an important background character in it where it isn't really until the end of the movie that she gets any real scenes. She has like a brief interaction with Bruce Wayne at the funeral. Um but but this is kind of the Riddler's entire ideology is that Gotham is so corrupt that even this new mayoral candidate who is promising real change won't be able to achieve it. So he's going to have her murdered um, and flood the entire city and kind of wipe Gotham off the map. And... When they first revealed the plan, I was like, there's no way they're doing this. Like, you can't just flood Gotham. And then two minutes later, Gotham is starting to flood. And you go, okay, yeah, they are actually 
it's doing like, this. So how are we going to get back from this, huh? Yeah. And, and it is, um, the comics have the Scott Snyder run year zero. Um, Gotham gets flooded and it kind of, it, it's similar to the Dark Knight Returns storyline where Gotham kind of becomes this lawless place. It's where... also like setting up a Batman No Man's Land kind of story. Yeah. yeah. Where, like Dark Knight Rises, like the city is officially declared martial law. Uh, the states is like, nope, screw them. They're on their yeah. own. The city's closed off. Figure, figure yourselves out, which was. Hopefully, yeah, it should be cool to see in the next yeah. movie if they do go that route. Yeah, and it's such a wild swing for this first Batman movie and what is likely to be a new series of Batman films. Like, I could see if they did that in the second or third movie, but to start out with it is, it, it's just an interesting new direction to take it. And especially since, because we've seen a lot of Batman stories on screen already. Um, but we have animated seen, as well. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of like indicating there's a new direction that they're planning on going in. But yeah, that, then we get sort of the whole climax of the film is centered around this. The city's flooding and there's a plot to assassinate the mayor-elect. Um, Batman has to stop the killers. Yep, yep. And it, it's this is maybe the scene of the movie that's sort of most uncomfortably reflective of modern day, where we we get a what's essentially a mass shooting scene, which Batman must stop, and and it isn't done in a sensationalist way, but it, but it is kind of when when they went that direction i was kind of like oh that's kind of an odd choice but it it makes sense for what it's what the film has been building towards yeah um where it's all of these people who are dressed up like the riddler dresses in this movie um and as the stadium is flooding they're kind of trying to assassinate the mayor and Batman must swing around the rafters and try to stop them. Um, he gets shot a few times. Yeah, yeah, quite he a few times. has to be saved by Catwoman yeah. because he forgets to move as he's yeah. there for 20 seconds with a gun to his face. Yeah, which he's he's hanging off the side of a catwalk. So it makes I, sense get it. I get he it. He's, and yeah. he's just been shot in the chest with a shotgun. Several times. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Catwoman saves him, which is kind of her big character change moment. And it isn't a huge character change, but she she spends a lot or she spends a lot of the middle part of the film wanting to find whoever um kidnapped and later it is revealed murdered her roommate um and kill him, um, which is then revealed to be Falcone, who is also her father okay well um which is a plot line we've kind of skipped over yeah but in okay in the interest of time we can maybe we can circle back to it um straight from the comics yeah uh 
And that's it. Let's continue. Yeah. But yeah, she saves Batman in this kind of like active heroism. Um, and then he, she gets attacked by one of these Riddler goons and Batman who is been shot in the chest again multiple times with a shotgun um injects himself with some adrenaline and then beats this guy up very brutally which was very uh interesting to see yeah which i've not seen that done in any other version of batman i've seen which he very much loses control um Mm -hmm. and then that's kind of the moment where he realizes that like okay, maybe he isn't approaching this in the right way. Um, which is then they pull the mask off of this guy and they go, the cops are up in this catwalk and they go, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. Um, which then kind of prompts this thing in Batman where there there is this similarity between Batman and the Riddler and Catwoman and these Riddler goons where they've all kind of been taking the same approach to we need to stop crime by fighting crime. Um, And so Batman is on like one end of it where he's like, we need to stop crime by fighting crime, but we can't kill anyone. Then Catwoman is like, we need to stop crime, but we we can kill like maybe, maybe Falcone. And then the Riddler is like, we will stop crime by killing everyone. Um, And Batman has this realization of, okay, maybe Gotham doesn't need people to fight crime. Maybe Gotham needs people to help build up the city and save lives. So he sees there's an electrical sign which has fallen down and is now swinging over this um, stadium. There's people in the water. It's going to kill people. So he jumps over to it cuts it off so it won't kill anyone and then lights a flare and leads the survivors out of the stadium. Really cool shot. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And um red has been like something very specific with Batman in this film and here yeah. we finally see that full shine of red. Yeah. And then we get the closing narration which is sort of Batman musing on which we in the film, so we have a live-action Batman. Yeah. We don't see a lot of Batman leading people out. Yeah. Or in the daytime, helping out Yeah. People, which we haven't seen since the 60s Batman. Yeah. So, like, I was super cool and happy to see this new take on Batman. And it's like, oh, man, this is cool. He's now this symbol. Yeah. he He's a symbol of hope, not of fear. Although maybe still a symbol of fear to certain people, but it, it's a big shift from even how he's portrayed in other in like the Dark Knight trilogy, where he he now there there's this challenge that the Felbeds with where okay he now has to like work on rebuilding Gotham rather than just running around punching people. Um, and it, it is tied directly to the plot of the film because as it's revealed, this whole corruption scandal is happening through a fund started by Thomas Wayne that if there had been oversight of it, if Bruce Wayne had been sort of in his role as the leader of this company, he might have been able to stop this 
entire corruption scandal from even happening. Um, but he was busy punching criminals in the face. And so he completely missed that there was this huge corruption network happening right under his nose. Um, and, and it harkens back to earlier in the film where the mayoral elect Bella Real sort of tells him, like, tells Bruce Wayne, hey, you should be doing more from the city. From what I can see, you aren't doing anything. And at the time you think, well, yeah, he's doing a bunch. He's the Batman. Um, but but with the end of this film, it recontextualizes it and says, well, yeah, maybe she, maybe she has a point. Maybe he does need to do a bit more and take a different approach. And then we finally end off the movie with a uh, separation between Selina and Batman. Yep. Well, first, before that, we get the big scene. Really, the ah, only, yes, that's the, the only scene in this movie that is hinting at future movies. And well, yeah, Reeves says like, oh, like we may not use that character in later movies, but is yeah. there? Yeah, I. It feels like the type of scene which would be an after credit scene in most other superhero movies. Um, in fact, I think we've seen this exact style of scene in several superhero movies where it's the villain of the movie is in prison. And then who's in the next cell? This other character, you know, um, it, it was definitely in um, Shazam and it was in, the it, was in, it was also in Gotham too, with the same character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, almost the exact same characters, pretty much. Yeah. So, so it's kind of this like overplayed thing. Um, I, honestly, it might be my least favorite part of the movie, even though I'm very curious to see this casting. So it, it's um, Riddler is in jail, sad or in Arkham Asylum, sad that his plan has failed and then who's in the next cell over it is a mysterious inmate who refers to himself as a clown yeah his has is his face is like twisted into a smile who could that be we'll never find out well there is a deleted scene yeah where he and batman are discussing this case which matt reeves says will be released at some point Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was again reveal for second ones. I I heard that this was a, a casting rumor to happen. Yeah. I've not. I don't know about it. The laugh isn't really there. But from what Matt Reeves says, this does seem like a, an interesting take to go on. So yeah, th- this is um. So the actor playing the Joker here is Barry Keegan. Um. If you know him from anything, it's probably from Eternals, where he played Druig, who is the guy you think is going to be evil, but turns out not to be. Um, But he's also, he's been working for quite a few years in sort of smaller indie films. Um, His big break was The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is kind of defined his persona in film, um, where he plays a creepy kid who kind of supernaturally is inflicting horror upon Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. 
Um, which is, if any movie got him this role, I think it would be that one. Barry Keegan is very good at playing the creepy weirdo, um, which which makes me interested to see what he would do with the role of the Joker. But yeah, we we don't see enough here to really make much of a judgment of what his Joker would be like. Yeah, and we're not even sure if he's gonna be like a really main. Role. Yeah, he I might just hope... be like a more of a background one. Yeah, I kind of hope if he is in the sequels that they maybe have like a scene or two of him in the next one and save him for the third one, because the Joker is one of the most seen Batman villains on screen. To He's the most beloved as well, yeah. He has his own movie. Um, and, you know, yeah, in the past, like, four years, we've had two different, or this is the third live-action interpretation of the character. In just, like, three years. Yeah. So I, I would be, I would love to see someone who hasn't gotten much of the spotlight recently um it was Clayface. yeah or or even not you could even do like a poison ivy or mr freeze i think, yeah, but I think Clayface never had a live action yeah. interpretation i want to see Clayface. yeah so someone more interesting than the joker again which is not to say that the joker again would be uninteresting and i think matt reeves could find an interesting direction to take it calendar man yeah although they already i mean the batman is already kind of a long halloween type <laughs> polka dot man uh <laughs> polka, dot man. polka dot man got a really good reinvention in the suicide squad so that might be kite kite man you could you could do something with condiment king Yes, although I would save him as a character for James Gunn to do something with. No, but yes, but no. Yeah, uh, like, because you have Mister Freeze, um, who who has such an iconic, interesting motivation that I think Matt Reeves could do a lot with that character, um, or you have. Poison Ivy, I think I've already brought up. We can have Hugo Strange, maybe. Hugo Strange? I feel like they were setting up Hugo Strange in this. Um, it's revealed that Martha Wayne is a member of the Arkham family. Um, mm. So I, I think... And that, that's actually, honestly... A lot of the most popular Batman comics have now been... Sort of not adapted directly into live-action movies, but kind of elements taken from them into live action movies one of the few that hasn't had much ripped from it is the neil gaiman comic about arkham asylum and i'm gonna look at the exact title because it is it is not arkham asylum but it is Batman, oh, it is Batman Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. Um, it, it has a very unique art style, and it's sort of about the history of Arkham Asylum as Batman is moving through it and like interacting. It's like a night where Arkham Asylum has 
like the power has gone out and everyone has escaped and is roaming the asylum freely. And so Batman is moving through the asylum and interacting with his various villains. Could likely see a rehash of Two-Face. Yeah. And it is, it's like all of the rogues gallery makes an appearance here, but then it's also going into, um, Hugo Strange, or I don't know if it's exactly Hugo Strange, I believe it is, but sort of the history of the asylum, and it, it, it's a really interesting comic, and not one that has been adapted yet. Mm. Um, so, so I would be curious to see, you know, what what they could do with that kind of story. Firefly. Yeah. Mad Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter might be too Alice in Wonderland. I don't know. Mm, I, I feel like a lot of these characters would be good, like, secondary villains. Yeah. Kind of like the Penguin in this one. It's kind of how they tend to be used in the comics as well. But we'll see. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see other portrayals of characters. Hopefully characters we've not seen a whole lot of. Yeah. It's good to see another penguin. It's been a long time. Besides yeah, Gotham, of course. A very, a very different interpretation. Both Penguin and Riddler haven't been in a film. Riddler, yes. Thank goodness for Riddler. Yeah. He needed some stuff. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? I mean, it's such a long movie, and there's so much to discuss, but, I mean, a lot of it is just, like, watching the movie for yourself and discovering it, or rewatching it and discovering even more. This is one that I think, having seen it twice, really benefits from a second viewing, because you see more things than... Actually, this was something I wanted to bring up, but forgot to earlier. The score, there are sort of four different important musical themes. Um, We talked about the Riddler one. There's obviously the iconic Batman theme, which is, it's simple, but it's, it works so well. because four notes played over and over again, but it gets ramped up in volume. Yeah. And then you have the, you have the Catwoman theme, which is sort of a noir-ish, very string-heavy, um, and then the final one is the Bruce Wayne theme, which is actually, if you look up the Batman theme on YouTube, that's the whole middle section of the Batman theme. Mm-hmm. It's Bruce Wayne theme, which is this very like melancholy, almost quiet, um, more meditative thing. And one of the interesting things about it is there's a very clear separation where the Batman theme plays when Batman is involved. The Bruce Wayne theme plays when Bruce Wayne is involved. The one time where I noticed it crossing over is that last scene of Batman leading these survivors out of the wreckage of the stadium with his flair. And it plays the Bruce Wayne theme. And I, I thought it was interesting that it's it, it indicates a change in the character where he's like, okay, maybe I don't need to be vengeance. I don't need to be this big dark brooding thing i can be a symbol of hope yeah composed by michael giacchino yeah 
Who? Yeah, he, he's kind of he works a lot, so I think he some works of a lot. He's the go-to. Yeah. Not my favorite soundtrack, but he has some good themes in this. Yeah. And, and this is a very simple soundtrack. Like it is it's based on two, and not simple in a bad way. Simple in a way that it's easy to understand what what yeah it, what it's signifying thematically. The, the the main soundtrack is pretty much these four themes over and over again, and, and different riffs on them. There's like yeah. Um, Batman, when he's investigating the first crime scene, it's like it's the same four notes repeated over and over again, but it's done with le- not quite as loud with different instruments and kind of fits the detective esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of a word for it right now, but yeah, detective esque. And then you got the uh, the car chase, which is very loud and ceremonious. Yeah. Which it's such a it's such a um, such a simple way to make a soundtrack, but so effective for a film that is all about the characters. Like I, I would almost, I, I'm curious to see how this movie does, Oscar season wise, but I'm kind of hoping that at least the score gets some recognition. Um. Uh, obviously, we're. A long ways out from that, we're still in Oscar season for the movies of 2021. Yes. So, long ways. Yep. This, I think, has the potential of being... Usually the Oscars like to do at least one big blockbuster movie that gets nominated for a bunch of stuff. And I think this one could be the, uh, the blockbuster of 2022. Yeah. This or Doctor Strange, but that's another thing. I I, I don't know that Doctor Strange is going to be quite sophisticated in the same way that this is. No, but it might make just as much money. Yeah. It might make Um, But yeah. Nice movie. I can't wait to see it again whenever I see it again. But yeah. Yeah, this, This tips the scales for me where... In the past, I've been more of a Marvel movie fan, um, just because they have a much more consistent output. Um, but I was looking at my list of DC movies and my ranked list of DC movies, and I realized, okay, I'm at the point where I like more of the DC movies than I dislike. And I really like more of the DC movies more than I really like the Marvel movies. Um, so yeah, slowly I'm becoming a DC film fan. Um, I think this is at the point where of the 13 movies I have on my list that they've released, starting with Man of Steel, um, eight of them are movies I'd say I'd like. And then the other five I am mixed on or dislike, which is it's it's weird because most of those movies are pre-2017. So to see such a big shift in public perception and in my own perception of DC. And it, it's great because, I mean, Marvel is experimenting a little bit more with things, but D, DC has really been giving creators the space to make what they 
can. Um, and, and we'll see, like, how this changes when the Discovery merger happens. Yeah. Or by this point, it has happened yeah. for you listeners. So a lot of changes could be made. Uh, Flash has been pushed back the whole year. Yeah. Surprisingly. So, uh, yeah. Flash and um, Aquaman, Aquaman have both been pushed back. Everything's been pushed back. Those two have been pushed the next year, which... Shazam has been pushed forward, I believe. Yeah, um, which supposedly the Flash changes things because, okay. like, elements of the Flash plot was relevant to those other films. So okay. we'll we'll see uh, how this mess. I, I, I I'm yeah, I'm curious to see. I I like my DC movies segregated from each other um i i think some of the team-up movies are on on the weaker side um but like just like standalone yeah. stuff i really appreciate yeah where, where creators are allowed to sort of bring in their own tone and their own ideas which is a majority of the dc films i think the least of the or the the ones which were most sort of hampered by studio control are um the 2017 Justice League and the original Suicide Squad um were both very publicly studio meddled um but but since then there hasn't they they've been pretty good about allowing creative control to the creators of the films and i think the results have been overall very good sometimes mixed but yeah which i think i'm more positive on some of these movies than you are definitely i I think i especially like birds of prey yeah like i i consider myself more of a dc fan yeah because i i love most things dc but like a lot of the stuff you like about dc i dislike so yeah Although we both like we both like the Batman, so we do. We have something in common. I, I I think it has been one of those movies that's been uniting various sides of fandom. In some but, degree. We've had, yeah, obviously there are people who dislike it. We're also think, just petty yeah. about. Haha, Marvel sucks. DC yeah. for the win. <laughs> yeah, but but it is. It is one of those things where, because we've had a lot of sort of controversial movies that have divided people, um, like The Rise of Skywalker or The Last Jedi, or you have um, even some of the more recent Marvel movies, Eternals kind of divided people. You have The Matrix reboot, The Ghostbusters reboot. So it feels kind of like whatever fandom you are involved in everyone is constantly at everyone's throats star trek yeah so so it is nice to have this like brief moment where a lot of people are in agreement that the batman is great um yeah it's it's a little bit of a respite from the recent just negativity over the years yeah It's it's an interesting movie. I, I'm curious to see 
what any sequels do and then also how reception changes over time yeah because you have had movies that are well received early on and maybe don't age well although i I expect this one will age pretty well it it has a classic style to it yeah it's it's mostly timeless besides you know the more modern relevancy but those are done for creative effect yeah the the three hour runtime is i think the biggest obstacle to it and that it is so dark like there there are people who i know who i just can't recommend this movie to because i know they don't want to spend three hours being sad and tense right and, and it ends hopefully but it takes a long while to get anywhere near that there, there's almost no levity um it, it's a dour movie it's a but very it works good, works yeah. well yeah. so um yeah any other final thoughts we have for this one um do we want to do a batman ranking or should we save that for another time oh we can save that for another time okay because we can also include animated stuff yeah so whereabouts does this fall in your batman love so so in terms of like live action batman yeah i think i would put this second under the dark knight dark knight i think it's still above for me because i think i can rewatch that one the most still because it is more of like a blockbuster action that's Batman, where this one is more in the mood for story and character psychological stuff. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of need to be in the right mind space to be to watch a three hour dark serial killer movie. Yeah, the Dark Knight is a dark movie, but it, it it's more fun. Yeah, which is you know flashback. 10 years and that's not what people would have been saying about the dark knight that's what they might have been saying about previous batman films there's kind of been this evolution of a character where each iteration is a little bit darker than the last yeah so who knows maybe you might see this listing one day in five years when we finally get it put together but yeah, yeah for for the for the record i have it also my number two batman movie though i have it behind batman returns yeah i i I saw that you put a little bit of praise on that one which we'll discuss that when we finally get to that point um but yeah if that's all we have yeah i i believe so we've been recording for half the runtime of this movie so (laughs) yeah anyway thank you guys for listening we'll see you all next time bye